What up, what up, what up? You tuned into the Jose Morales podcast. This is your host, Jose Morales, and I'm back on another episode, solo, special edition. And if you've been keeping up with the previous episodes, um, the last one, the California State Championships and the one right before that in route to L.A., I've been on the road a lot, so I have not been in the gym. So typically they're recorded and I have video and all this, but I've been recording in cars. And this is another special episode where I am recording in my hotel room live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you listen to the previous episode, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but if you paid attention to the last episode, I talked about how I had a hectic, crazy week with Silver Gloves in Vegas on uh, August 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then August 6th, David and Victor and Diego fighting in Sacramento. Well, it got even crazier because with like five days, not even a week notice, Amy got an invitation to the National Golden Gloves. So the National Golden Gloves is in Oklahoma, which was... On the 7th, we had to be here in Oklahoma, which I wasn't able to do, but I explained to you what we did. So it got really crazy because the 7th, we're still supposed to be in Vegas and all this stuff was going on. So I obviously was not going to be able to make it. And Amy was going to be in Vegas uh, in the corner for Angel and Ava. And while I was in sack for Diego, Victor and David, and pretty much Saturday when I got, when the plan was when I get to L.A. on, I mean, in Vegas on uh, on the 7th of August, we were going to tag team. I was going to get there and she was going to fly out to Oklahoma and, and do the registration. And she, and the reason, I'll, I'll talk about it on the next episode, how this whole came about, because it's very interesting. A lot of people, because a lot of people are asking me, how the hell did we even get to be a part of it? Because California didn't send any boxers to the National Golden Gloves because they didn't have any Golden Gloves locally and regionally in the state or I mean or state tournaments back back home. So they were like, how did you manage to send somebody out? And the way that came about is very interesting. Obviously, with Amy winning nationals was the biggest step to in the front door. But I will talk about it on this next episode, the next episode, because I'm going to have Amy on with me. And I think what is better than to have Amy with me while we're here and kind of go over everything. So the next episode is going to definitely be good. You do not want to miss it. But back to the subject, this episode that you are listening to now, we're going to be I'm going to be talking about uh, pretty much the, the whole weekend of the fights here locally in Sacramento and the one in Vegas and the whole weekend and everything and why I'm late. If you if you look, you're listening to this on Tuesday, Tuesday instead of an instead of a the typical Monday. So it's August 10th instead of August 9th. And the reason for that, again, traveling, getting delayed, one hell of a crazy week. And so that is why I'm late, but late is always better than not doing it at all. And I did not want to slack off on my consistency. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. 
So first comes to first, first comes up, I'm going to talk about the fights in Sacramento August 6th where Diego, David, and Victor fought. And if you guys went, thank you guys for going. I appreciate, we appreciate you, David, and I, we highly appreciate you guys. But the thing that makes it so special, a lot of you guys probably did not experience the pro cards here locally prior to us arriving on the scene. And to us, I mean to our club, our gym, David, and, and really emphasizing that because it's all of us. It's not just me. It's not just David. It's not just the gym. It's all of us. And prior to us arriving into this scene, the boxing hype was okay. Now it is hopping. It is jumping. It gets to the point where we're selling out tickets three weeks before the thing even starts. Uh, where now they're starting to look at bigger venues, Memorial Auditorium, things like that, because we no longer fit in that small ass fucking hotel. <laughs> and that's that's good. And that is thanks to you guys. Um, and thank you for showing up. And besides that, it just means so much to see everyone there. Man, it just you, it's a, a feeling that I cannot describe. Uh, when the fight's over, everyone comes up to comes up to us, hug us, pictures and things like that. And I've, I did not get to see you or talk to you. I apologize. But if I did, thank you for coming up and talking to me. Um, so, yeah, man, thank you guys for that. But let's start with that. First comes with first is that. And if you guys paid attention, we had a legendary person in the corner with us. His name is Jacob Duran, known as Stitch. And the way we got hooked up with Stitch, Stitch is actually probably the best cup man in the fight game right now. There's nobody better than than Stitch. Nobody that I know of alive. There was a, there used to be a guy that was really good. That was actually a Mr. Garcia that was actually Mayweather's cup man for a long time. But I think right now Stitch is probably the man. And he uh, and and it's crazy how things work out. So I really wanted to have this guy come and do and, 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 and be the cut man. And this is the thing a lot of people do not do. So Stitch, right? They're like, oh, what the fuck? Who's going to reach out to Stitch? My crazy ass does shit like this all the time. There is nothing that is impossible for me. I make shit jump. What's the worst thing that can happen? Literally, what is the worst thing that can happen? Worst thing is he says, no. And what happens? Do I die? No. I fucking hang up and go on about my day. And I'm not and I'm not embarrassed or I'm not afraid of getting that no. I'm fuck it, let's go. But I never go into thinking they're gonna say no. Like in my head I already know when fucking Stitch when I hit up Stitch and I offer him to help me, this motherfucker's gonna be dying to help me. That's how I think. You think he was dying to help me? Fuck no. But I made myself believe that. And guess what? He was dying to help me. So check this out. So I hit up my boy. Shout out to Gabe Flores, by the way, from Stockton. I hit him up and I'm like, yo, because I know he knows him. He talks to him. He, he works with him a lot. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, can you give me Stitch's contact? And he said, oh, man, he doesn't like me giving that out. I was like, look, I need him to work a corner for me for Davis five. Blah, blah, blah. I gave him the whole lowdown. And he's like, man, that motherfucker charges like crazy. I was like, look, I'm not tripping. Hit him up. 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't care. I'll pay him. Let's make it happen. He's like, all right. So he hits him up and then he texted me. He's like, hey, man, Stitch, Stitch said he's down to work with you. And um, he's down. I was like, all right. So I, I call him. I text him right away, right after. Have a conversation with him and check this out. He said, what day is it? I tell him the day he's on, man. He said, you know, I'm from the Central Valley, which is a couple, an hour and a half, two hours from us, south of Sacramento. And he's like, you know, I am going to be up there that weekend. What if I cut my trip one day shorter and I come by Sacramento and I help you because I'm doing a documentary on my life because he, he's recording this documentary. And um from the fields to the garden, the garden being Madison Square Garden and the fields being where he started, the Central Rally, working the, the working in the on the fields. And it just add a lot of pride and joy to what he did with his career from the fields to the garden. And he kind of goes into the spill about what he's gonna do and how everything goes down. And he's like, What if I go a day early and I shoot up there? I'm back home to Sacramento where I, I connect with a lot of old faces, a lot of old people. I worked uh, his first championship fight that he worked was with Tiger, the low, Tiger, Tony the Tiger from Sacramento. And then he has a lot of ties to Sac. He's got a whole bunch of people that he was going to run into. He was just super excited. And he's all in your raza. He's all, man, I fucking would love to be over there and have some. And because I have no I will have no content of me actually working a fight. And what better than one in my in my in my home in my home with Rasa. He's a man, that's fucking perfect. He's a let's make that shit happen. So I planned it out, got the hotel, got everything, worked everything out for him. And then at the end I was gonna I asked him, So how much you gonna charge? He said, You know what? I don't usually do eight rounds. And I'm expecting to hear five, six thousand, eight thousand, because you know that's that's what they expect. That's what I heard that it was like ten thousand dollars to him work the corner for you. So I'm expecting to hear 6000 or some shit like that. You know I mean? I'm just prepping myself. And he says, and I'll take care of you. I'm like, what does that mean? What the fuck does take care of you? Is that a discount? What does take care of you? He's like, nothing, man. He's like, hey, we're Rasa, man. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to charge you nothing. That's what he said. That is exactly what he said. He said, I'm not going to charge you nothing. I was like, what? I'm going to have Stitch in my corner and he doesn't want to get paid? What the fuck? So obviously we took care of took care of him. But the fact that he was that humble, that down, he came through the day before we did a little rehearsal. That's actually the picture I uploaded. He showed, he, he rapped, he went over the hands. He showed me some tips on rapping the hands. Very, very humble guy and then very open to share his knowledge very willing to to just give info just help and really 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 help and teach you can tell he is all about helping others he's not a fucking asshole a prick about oh is this me and you figured out your own and he did share a story that a couple old old timers did that to him and he's all he promised himself that he was not going to be like that so the fact that i just we were able to live a couple of days talk with this guy uh it's been a good you know i have his number he's now one of my contacts now i talk to him he he invited us to the premiere when this thing comes out in vegas so we're gonna go to vegas to watch his uh documentary come out when it comes out and all these things it was just great and that all started with me saying fuck it was the worst thing that can happen 
what is the worst thing that could happen? And I said he was going to be dying to help me. Guess what? I made myself believe it, and he was dying to help me. See what I'm saying? That's the fucking type of mentality we got to have. Man, too many people doubt themselves way before they even fucking do something. Fuck that shit. Don't doubt yourself. Everything is starts in your fucking mind. So go for it. Again, what is the worst thing that could happen? And um, after that, um, uh, he actually, by the way, he really enjoyed it. Because if you saw, we had mariachi. Uh, the mariachi came from my cousin Beto. He is a mariachi and top of the boxing coach. And let me tell you about Beto. My cousin Beto is from Portland. This is my cousin that I reconnected. If you guys know, if you heard the previous episodes where I talked about me connecting with my father's side and me and my father's side being in boxing. Well, Beto is my cousin from my father's side. I I met him about a year ago and he is we're super close, super, super fucking close. Him and his family, uh, his siblings, all of them. I love them to death. They're out in Portland, Oregon, and they're all a boxing family. And shout out to them, by the way, Los Guillenes, uh, Los, uh, Sara, Andres, Vero, man, Rene, Beto, Amelia, all you guys up north, Mitenes, love y'all. Uh, but anyways, back to what I was saying. And since he's a boxing coach, I was like, you know what? What special, how special would it be to have my cousin from my father's side that knows boxing he spent a lot of years boxing understands the game in the corner with me on one of the biggest nights of my life this far in the program and i was like you know what i'm gonna invite him he came down and since he's in a mariachi he has connections here in sacramento to mariachi bands he's like you know what we're gonna go hollywood he's like let's get a fucking mariachi and that's the kind of shit that i like about him and that's how i am he's like you know what fuck it let's do this we fucking do it he uh, planned a mariachi the day before, got the mariachi there, and, and, and Stitch loved it. He's like, oh, man, we got fucking great footage. We got the mariachi, man. We got this. That fucking Stitch is off the chain. chain. Stitch was like, hell yeah. So after that, um, I'll get into the fights. The first two uh, fights that we're going to fight is Victor and Diego, and they were nervous. Uh, I, I don't think Victor was, but Diego was really nervous. And I can really tell once they said we go to the weigh-ins and they announce, oh, one's a 16-year-old, one is a 17-year-old. When he found out he was fighting a 17-year-old, which is older than him, the way he looked, everything could tense up. I could really tell that that affected him. And then on top of that, fighting on a pro venue is very, very, very intimidating on your second fight. So he was really, really, really going through it mentally with himself um and then victor victor fought a guy from um series from modesto area and the first fight victor did amazing i mean if you were there watching him he boxed him great put pressure one thing he did he was too fucking nice way too fucking nice if you guys remember in the first round this guy that he's fighting stops it starts fixing his headgear. Literally stops. It's probably probably like 10, 15 seconds. I'm not joking. It's a big pause in the first round. And when he pauses, I'm yelling at Victor. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Victor? Fucking punch his ass. Don't let him stop fix his shit in front of you. You let him do your you, you letting him do his makeup in front of you and you let him get ready until before you take him out to dinner or what? Fuck this guy. Punch his ass. And um I'm like, you don't stop till the rest has stopped. It's the middle of the fucking fight. 
And that's the lesson he learned that fight. I was like, you're being too fucking nice. End of the second round, I'm like, there's no reason why you can't knock this motherfucker out. And the third round, he put the heat on him, put the heat on him real bad. Honestly, think they should have gave him a couple eight counts, but they didn't. I don't know why, but Victor was putting on him on the third round. And the lesson behind that, see, I look at everything, and this is why I like talking about boxing and everything that we're doing, but everything in boxing is life-related. You hear me say this shit day after day in every podcast and probably in every episode I said this. But look, when something goes on and you're sitting there being like, you're in a fight. You can't sit there. This is the type of shit you got to fucking take. You got to fucking beat the brakes off this motherfucker. There's nothing you sitting there being nice about. Same with everything we do. You got to go out there in life and Take whatever the fuck you want. Fuck all this waiting for shit, people to come and give you. Now, fuck that. And I explained that to Victor. Hopefully, that shit never happens again. And he was like, all right, it's not going to happen. You're being way too nice. So, Victor won that fight. Second fight. Started off the, the, the fights perfectly. I actually wanted Victor to fight first. I even told them to put him first. To set the tempo, set the pace. Because I, I had a feeling, you know. I was like, it's not going to happen. And the funny thing, every time... Victor and Angel fight because they've always fought the same day. This is the first time they didn't fight at the same place. But every time Victor and Angel, the brothers, fight, if one loses, the other one wins. It's always like that. So the last episode, Angel won, Victor lost. This episode, Victor won, and guess what? Angel lost. We were watching it on on IG Live because it was in Vegas while we were in Sacramento, and Amy was cornering. And a big, big, big experience. Mad props to Amy. Amy jumped to the plate said, I'm going to go down there. First time her ever working a corner. First time her ever doing anything as a coach. She go to, she goes down there. And this is the kind of shit. She was, not, she was not nervous. She was not scared. She knew what to do. Why? Because she lived it already. She knows what I expect, what we do. And now she saw it from the coach's perspective. And I know what it did to her. You know what it did to her. It made her realize. And it made her understand why I do why I do. And she was like, wow. The coaching is a lot harder than it looks. And she told me straight up, she's like, it's very difficult. And it is because of the things you have to deal with, the things you have to maneuver, the distractions you have to block, the things you have to say and how to say it. The conf- like there's so many things you have to watch for. And these are things that you're doing by watching. It's not like you're building a clubhouse and people can see you building a fucking clubhouse. These are all things that happen by analyzing, paying attention to people's energy, paying attention to people's emotion, their eyes, their body language. These are things that you cannot teach. You either fucking got it or you don't got it. And and she's starting to realize it now. She's starting to see that. She's starting to pay attention to that. So I'm very proud of Amy going out there, handling it, doing a great job controlling Angel's nerves. Angel was super fucking nervous. It was a very big venue, regionals in, um, in Prim, in the state line in, in Nevada. And and he fought a tough guy. He fought a guy that, that, was, that hit really fucking hard. And he did really good the third round. The first two rounds, he didn't look. First round, he didn't look too bad, but you could tell the guy's power fucked with him. And like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the fucking face. And that is 100% true. As soon as you feel someone's power, everything fucking changes. Because all you worry about is not getting fucking hit again. That's all you worry about. You're like, whatever happens, I just don't want that to happen again. And you have to make these adjustments and you got to kind of fuck with, you got to change your mindset. And 
Uh, Amy probably told him the correct things in between rounds because the third round he came in looking like a different angel. Uh, obviously, wasn't enough because he had lost the first two rounds, so he lost the fight. His chase to becoming a national silver gloves champion ended right there. Um, but I'm proud of the kid. You know, he went out there on a big stage as the only person, all his teammates. Oh, well, Ava actually went too. I forgot to mention. Ava was meant to go. I mean, she did go, but she meant to compete. And again, same as in, in the state finals, there's no girls. She gets a walkover win. She actually didn't even have to go, but she wanted to go to experience it. She wanted to see what she was getting into and how to prep for that, which I think it was very good in her part. Um, I'm glad she went and, and got to see it. So that was great. So, again, shout out to all of them for making that happen and rocking without coach um, and trusting in the whole system. And then back here, Diego's time to fight. And Diego's fight was interesting because Diego's fought a very tough guy in a, at a gladiator's boxing gym with Coach Tony. And Coach Tony and I are actually really good friends. And Coach Tony and I actually, we hook up for sparring all the time. Every time we go out of state, we always with each other at nationals. When we were at the state in L.A., we were together. We always run into each other. And this is the thing that I like about Tony and I's relationship. We're there to help each other. We're there to, we're always there to like communicate, talk to each other. But a lot of gyms, usually if they're friends with somebody, they're like, oh, I don't want to fight them. They offered me a fight. The promoter offered me one of my kids, Diego, to fight one of his kids. I said, sure, why not? He accepted it. Sure, why not? Fuck it. It's pure experience. It's not like we're, I'm saying I want to fight him because I fucking hate him. No, this is pure experience for our, both of our boxers. Both of our boxers are not going to compete against each other. And they're both learning. They're both growing. It's not versus, at a pro card versus we say no. Now, both of our guys don't fight each other. And now, they both don't get to experience that. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that a lot of people let get in the way is their egos. Let their egos get in the way instead of thinking of the people, of how who's going to get better. The kid's going to get better. The boxer's going to get better. And I feel like we grew on this, you know, similar, similar fight to uh, Diego's previous fight. Uh, Diego did not throw enough. And I think that that comes with I'm having a fight with a bounce because he's real long and lanky and he does not have the confidence in it. I can tell he doesn't. And that's what's something that I'm going to do as a coach to fix. I'm going to fix that. Second thing, he has ears, people in his ears telling him he needs to do different things. And that right there is a conflict. Because if coach telling you one thing and you're not believing in that or you don't have confidence in that, not that you don't believe in, he does believe in it, but he lacks confidence in believing it's going to work. And what makes it worse is having somebody in your ear telling you to do something else. And the reason why I don't believe in having him do something else is because I want him to be dominant. And if he learns to fight long, lanky, keeping a distance with that tall frame, long arms that he has, he will be dominant. Dominant to the point where he will always hit somebody and beat the fuck out of somebody. And that somebody will never hit them. And that is exactly the point of boxing. The point of boxing is to hit and not get hit. Not hit and get your ass kicked. That's not the point. And I feel like the people that are pushing them to push forward and do this are telling them something else. Well, for me, I don't mind him uh, losing right now. 
because he understands the process. Even right now after the fight, he's a coach. He, he told me, so, Theo, he's all, I need eight more fights and I move up level. He ain't even thinking because I told him this when he moved up to Impaler. Your next level, you have to worry about getting 10 fights. Did I say 10 wins? No. I need 10 fights. And then those 10 fights were going to grow. I don't need you to be 10 and 0. I need you to be 10 and confident. And that's what we're going to get out of this. We're going to get you 10 fights and help you be confident in the ring, in front of a crowd, in front of people. And the fact that he understands that after losing two straight, he understands that I'm doing this because I'm focusing on my 10 fights. And that's my job now that and then those eight fights coming up after those eight fights, he cannot be in the same shoes he's in right now. He should feel confident now. I'm confident. And that's when he's going to become dominant because that's what's causing him to lose these two fights. He does not have the confidence in his style to win fights yet. And that's something I will fix. So we lost that fight. And then, so that, not right there, those are two losses straight. Now it's David's turn. And David, if you know, we have a tough fight in front of us. The guy's 10-0. and 0. Um, Another thing about this guy, the guy's, uh, he actually went to the Olympic trials when he was competing. He's been boxing since he was a kid. The guy is good. David's good. This is why it's a main event. And another thing, a lot of motherfuckers don't do this. A lot of guys don't go to people's hometown and fight them. A lot of guys don't fight in their hometown against undefended people. There's a lot of fucking ducking and dodging. And that, I believe, comes because of Mayweather. Mayweather made the undefeated, oh, I'm 50 and 0, to it put it on a pedestal. Put it on a pedestal so high that everyone is so fucking afraid to lose. Everyone's afraid to to mess up their record and and fuck up. And guess what? How do you get better by fucking up? Lose. Go out there. Fucking give it your all. Fuck things up. Who gives a fuck? Move on. And. I'm glad David took that. I'm glad he did that. That's how we're going to see what we got to do and how we're going to get better. And if you look back in the day, back in the day, a lot of fucking great fighters, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, all these guys had losses. Everybody. And there's a quote. I forgot the guy who said the quote, but he said, show me an undefeated fighter and I'll show you a guy that has not fought nobody. And going and, and based off that quote, I can push it towards Mayweather. Not that Mayweather did not fight nobody. He fought a lot of greats, but he fought them at the best fucking time. And I think that's why people uh, don't give Mayweather credit. But he does deserve a lot of credit. I give him credit. But that right there is the fact that he picked him at the right time. People are like, oh, no, he was cherry picking, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I had to throw that in there. So I'm very proud of David for accepting that fight. And doing it. Uh, a lot of things that David will not say and I will say for him. He, a lot of people don't know this about David, but David ha- is, ha- had a hernia. He almost didn't get accepted. I thought he was going to get accepted to fight, but he did. And this is the type of guy David is. is you know, David's been having a hernia party for about a month now. And David's like, you know, I'm not going to back out because people are like, oh, yeah, he's fucking lying. He don't got no hernia. And he never once mentioned it. Motherfucking guy can't even do a sit up right now because a hernia bothers him. And he goes out and fights. I personally didn't want him to do it. Um, but I kept asking him. He's like, no, 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 you know, let me do it. Let me do it. And um, and he did it. He fought 
nothing like what I wanted him. And you can ask him straight up. I told him a million different things, things that we practice he did not do, things that I was telling him to do he did not do. I was pretty much there, but he was not listening to me. That's how I felt. And I was a little upset with him. But, again, it's his night. I let him enjoy it. It's his show. I yell at him when we get back to the gym. I'm not going to yell at him that day. And um, we lost. Um, There's no excuses. The guy outboxed him. The guy had a beautiful jab. David had to be in his face and make it a dogfight. And we didn't get the job done. And you hear that? I said we because it's my job to get it out of him. So I don't want to blame him. I'm blaming us. When we win, I get credit. When we lose, I also take the credit. And another thing I want to say about that, too. When I got out the ring, I had some coaches come up to me and people come up to me. You should have told them this. You should have told them that. Motherfucker, what do you think I was saying? You think I was telling them you're doing an amazing fucking job, keep keep getting hit and keep losing rounds? I was telling them all sorts of shit. Uh, The thing is, it's easier said than done. Easier said than done. Uh, and And I say that for David. Of course, it's easy for us from the outside to say, you just need to do this. Yes, but he's the motherfucker getting hit. He's the guy bleeding from his eyeball and he can't really see straight because he's got blood dripping from his eye. So leave the fucking guy alone. Don't sit here afterwards giving him a fucking full-on lecture of what he should have done best. That's the last fucking thing he needs to hear. You know what I'm saying? So this is one thing that I always do as a coach. When someone loses, I say some positive things uh, and I tell everybody this. Don't let your highs get too high and don't let your lows get too low because... If you get too high that you, when you win that you think you're the best thing on earth and nothing's better than you, that shit's going to fuck you up. And if you let your lows get so low that when you lose, you think you're a piece of shit and you want to kill yourself, that shit's going to fuck you up. So I said, don't let your highs get too high. Don't let your lows get too low. On we go. and Forget about it. Have short-term memory. Enjoy it for the night and on to the next. And we talk about it when we get back to the gym. There's nothing. I don't need to be telling you all this shit right after you fucking just got your head beat in. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that's my little rant for the day. I had to fucking get that out there because I had a lot of people bring it up, all these coaches. And if you see me, you can't see me right now, but I'm putting up my quotation marks because, come on, man. Yeah, anyways, on to the next. So that was three losses, three losses in one win. This This day right here was probably one of the roughest days I had in a long time. Uh, the night ended, fucking horrible night, woke up, I had to leave early, oh no, I was at home, I actually didn't even end up going to Vegas, I was supposed to go straight to Vegas for Saturday and Sunday, Angel and Ava weren't fighting Saturday and Sunday, so there was pointless for me to go to Vegas, I stayed home, I left Sunday morning, early, early, early Sunday morning, and when I left Sunday morning, it was, I was supposed to, I boarded my flight, at 7.15 in the morning. 7.15 in the morning. Boarded my flight. We sat in the plane. I remember falling asleep. Woke up. When I woke up, we are still there. I'm like, what the fuck? Delayed, delayed, all this bullshit. They ended up saying the engine needed some sort of work, blah, blah, blah. They were going to try it, da, 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 back and forth. We never fucking left. And they said, all right, everybody, we got to get off. We got off the plane. When we get off the plane, now they're trying to see what they're going to do, blah, blah, blah. Man, it's noon. Spent five hours there already, and I still have no fucking flight. Don't know when I'm leaving. 
I'm making calls. I'm trying to figure out when I'm leaving. Finally found a flight. Instead of going to Houston, I'm going to Denver. And I'm leaving at 4.30. So I get some food and I'm just sitting there. And the fact that it's such a long day, I'm trying to find something to motivate myself. Trying to find something to get my mind off everything. Because I was depressed as shit. I had some personal shit go down. I had the fucking fights. It was not a honeymoon for sure. I was depressed like a motherfucker. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading this book. And the book is, uh, and those that follow me on Instagram, I'm posting some very interesting shit uh, from this book. Uh, the book is called um, oh, fucking Al Patron's Third Eye View. That's what the book. And I'm reading this book. Very interesting, by the way. It's like, uh, man, all sorts of shit. The only thing I was kind of confused at the beginning in the book, I'm going to pop out when he started talking about God. But and he made it in a funny thing. He was making f jokes out of it. But at the end, I get why he was doing it. He was saying, it doesn't matter who your God is, and but what matters is what you believe. Because what you believe is what the truth is. And it's not that it's truest, but it's your truth. Because no matter what anyone else says, what is going to matter is what you believe is true. And that's pretty much why he said it. And that's why he made it funny, because he has a sense of humor and he was busting up. And at the end, he said, see, this is my truth, because this is what I choose to believe. You guys are laughing at it, but that's what I want to believe. But it was a lot of good points, a lot of great things. Very. And the guy's an inmate. I mean, the guy got out of prison. I'm mean, actually, you know what? I think he was still in prison. And um, and a very interesting book. I would recommend it. I, the first book I ever read in one day. I've never read a full book in one day. I, I mean, I read one book in my life. Because if you guys listen to my previous episodes, I don't read. So that's something definitely that I'm going to change. I'm going to start reading. I really enjoyed that book. But long story short, I'm there. Now we get on the flight. Now we're going to leave to Denver. For some reason, we couldn't leave at the certain time. We had to wait 45 minutes before I left. So when we boarded the plane, we waited 45 minutes. We left 45 minutes late. Possible now that I'm going to miss my uh, connect connecting flight from Denver to Tulsa. Now all this bullshit. Now I'm like, fuck, man. Who cares? I still have a positive attitude. I let it go. I'm not even complaining. There's so many people complaining too. I remember people like, oh, I'm booking. So what? Like when the plane was, when the plane was um, broken down, they're like, oh, they're complaining that they were pay paying attention to the engine. Motherfucker, wouldn't you want them to pay attention to that shit? Would you rather be in the air and find out your fucking engine is fucking not working? You dumb fuck. Shit, I don't, I don't know. Why do people fucking complain about shit like that? I don't. I don't get it. That's beyond me. I'm sitting there. I'm like, why is this dumb fuck complaining about that? Fucking get me off this plane. If it doesn't work, good. Why do I want to be in the air with a fucking broken plane? And people are complaining about that shit. I don't know. So the second fucking um, delay, we leave. We finally get to Denver. I have eight minutes to get to one gate to the other. I made it. Um, when I get there, I look at my fucking ticket and it says my seat is 1A. 1A, that sounds like it's in the very front, number one and A. That's the first row. I'm like, oh, shit. I got upgraded to fucking first class. I'm all pumped up. I'm like, oh, yes, this is it. I show up, get on the plane. Man, they done did me dirty. They fucked me up. I don't even got a seat. It's in the fucking front next to the pilot damn near in the dark corner. 
with a fold-up chair. That's my seat. It's like it was a stuffed plane, and they said, where can we put this fucking guy? Let's put him there. The people probably thought I was part, part of the fucking crew. They probably thought I worked there. Mexican guy, he's probably the guy that sanitizes everything when he's done. No joke. I'm sitting in the corner like a fucking freak. Um, Actually, it wasn't too bad because I, I put my leg up. I had no one to fuck with, so it was actually good. But I was like, there's no first class. Fucking, it was a big psych. <laughs> so after that, I'm sitting there. And uh, oh, and I totally forgot. When I got on the, before I get to the Tulsa flight, that was a Tulsa flight. When I got to the Denver flight, when that 45-minute delay, I'm sitting there. This lady next to me, she was like, man. No, I was like, when they were like about the 45 minute delay, I was like, fuck again. I'm like, what can it get worse? I've been waiting fucking since seven seven o'clock in the morning. I go wait another 45 minutes. And then I'm explaining to the the two girls on my row. There's two ladies explaining to them how I've been waiting since seven in the morning. The the first girl was like, wow, that's bad. And the girl right next to me, which is an older lady, she was like, she was like, wow. She was like, that is bad. She's like, but I could top that. I'm like, you could top that. She's like, I was driving home back to Arizona. I was 100 miles away, and I got hit by a semi-truck. She got hit by a semi-truck, bad, told her whole car. Her insurance told her that she was in a fly bag, blah, blah, blah. She's stressed out, no sleep. Her kids are with her, but she couldn't see them because they're on the opposite side of the fucking plane. And this is a girl that looks like she cares for her kids, like the kids got to be right in front of her. So she looks stressed out that she wasn't sitting by her kids. The guy behind us kept coughing like crazy, and she was like paranoid because she was like her mask was super tight. She would eat her snacks. She put a pretzel in her mouth, fucking stuff her mask right back up. Like this girl was tripping. So I just feel bad for this lady because not only did her car get totaled, um, now she's in a horrible situation with a guy coughing like fucking crazy right behind her. She can't see her kids. She's probably uncomfortable as shit. And I'm like, yo, why am I complaining? Why do I feel bad? She's got it way worse. And then she also mentioned her body ache because she just got hit by a semi, her neck, her back. I was like, fuck, this girl got it bad. I was complaining about my shit, but this girl got it bad. That just made me feel a little better. I was like, wow, I have it nothing like that. And then that's when that second delay, that's when we landed and the, I got on the Tulsa plane. I get my fucking psych uh, front, uh, first class seat. And then check this out. About 15 minutes before the flight lands, the, the lady comes up to me, the flight attendant. She's like, hey, when we land, you know, she's like, is it okay that we switch seats? Because there's someone in the back that's having some sort of medical condition. And we want to put her in the very front in the special ass seat. I almost said in my special ass seat. I didn't say nothing, though. Because as soon as we land, the door's right there, and the paramedics can get her right away. So can we swap seats? I said, sure. Swap seats. When we swap seats, I'm sitting now next to a person. I'm in a normal ass seat. When I'm sitting there, the lady next to me has her son. We start talking. Her son kept laughing, and we're talking. Girl, is a, she's from Tulsa. She starts telling me all sorts of places to go eat. Super nice. Start talking about all sorts of things. Man, I fucking love that girl. That girl was super dope. Made a list of restaurants to go eat and all this. And I will talk about it in the next episode. But that lady was dope. Um, I get to the hotel, show up late. I get a fucking room that I pass out on. And it's fucking when I wake up in the morning, I get I got bed bugs like fucking crazy. I got chewed out everywhere. So now I'm fucking itchy. 
oh my god i was still in a bad mood i had no fucking sleep um uh man it was horrible i had to wake up early because we had to go check in so i got here like two three in the morning had to be up at like six my sleep is all fucked up i was like man when we came back from registering i i got a different room the second room i get into smell hella bad like cigarettes um i started getting a headache i switched rooms again i feel like a karen i was complaining like crazy like first room got fucking bed bugs now the next room smells like cigarette what the fuck does california dude want fucking a room on the beach <laughs> that's probably what they were thinking but damn i was getting fucked up so finally the third room's a charm everything's good and i'm like i need to fucking shake off this fucking horrible juju because i was as pressed as fuck I, everything's obviously going wrong for me i have three fucking losses i had three fucking rooms three fucking delayed flights fucking bed bugs everything's going bad for me so i said how the fuck can i fix this bad juju and one thing that i like to do to fix bad juju is workout i was dead fucking tired i said you know what i'm gonna go for a run i went for a run came back started reading started doing a lot of me things me what i gotta do for my mind fixing myself meditation things like that and boom fucking flipped the switch felt fucking amazing after that my day changed tremendously my energy changed the way i felt Everything started lining the dots back up and I started fucking killing the second part of my day. And and that all started with me working on myself. Me. Nothing else. And sometimes kind of on subject, kind of not. I've, I've seen some people in the gym that like on great shape, great fucking shape. But every time something happens, we got sparring away sparring or something like that. They get an anxiety attack and they're <gasps> fucking shaking, something panicking, whatever. Everyone does it different. And I'm like, yo, I see you spar all the fucking time. I know you're not out of shape, but is that they're not in their mental, their spirit and their heart is not in shape. They're physically in shape, but not spiritually in shape. And to fix things like that, you have to find the fucking core problem what is it the root of the problem what is it and everybody has a different reason and that totally reminded me of that because i needed to spend some time soul searching finding me what i needed to do me i always put other people's first and i think this is a way for god to tell me jose calm the fuck down fix yourself you got a lot of things you're fucking up on get back on fucking track and it worked I was like, you know what? I am fucking up. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And and it worked. So there it is. That's what's going down. Um, so far, too, after checking in, so far with the Golden Gloves, man, it is unreal. Unreal. So I, I've been at the Nationals, which was where Amy won. And now this is the Golden Glove National Tournament. And some of you guys are probably like, what the fuck's the difference? Let me tell you what the difference is. Anytime the word national is on there, it means the whole nation's a part of it. The whole nation. Nationals, anyone can participate from all over the nation. And it's separated in peewees, intermediate, juniors, and elite. Elite is 17 and up. Um, and that's how it's separated. Um, with that, you just come, participate, you sign up. You can have 50 people from California, 10 people from there. It doesn't matter. Um, everyone's a part of it and it's the whole nation. That is why it's nationals. You win that, you become nationally ranked and so forth. The golden gloves is different. Golden gloves gets broken down to regionals. I mean, to local regionals, uh, state, 
to similar to the silver gloves to the nationals. Um, and then when you get to the national level, obviously each person is a champion of the region. So you have the California champion representing at that weight division, the Nevada champion. So all these people that are competing here are champions like the champions league in soccer. If you know soccer, soccer, the way that works is you have the European leagues, all the leagues, you have the premier league, the England league, which is the best league in soccer, probably for clubs and the winner of each league uh, the champion of each league goes into a, uh, a tournament where it's called the Champions League, where you have the champion from Portugal League, the champion from the La Liga, the Spanish League, from the English League, the Italian League, the German League, and they all play each other. That's similar to this. And then they have the local league. So hopefully I didn't confuse you explaining that, but that is exactly what this is like. And without... With everything um, going down, it's just very dope. It's very, very, very different. The vibe, the energy, you could feel the historic. It's very historical. As you know, Golden Gloves is probably one of the most historical tournaments in boxing. Everyone always brings it up. You definitely feel it when you're here. Uh, knowing that we're representing California and we're the only ones representing California is pretty dope. So, I don't know. It's very special. I'm blessed to be here. So, I'm 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 definitely definitely enjoying it. And the next episode with Amy is gonna be dope because we're gonna talk about all that. And I don't want you to miss it. I was gonna be released next Monday. Um, but now to end this episode, I'm gonna start with the random question. And the random question, since I'm I'm not gonna ask myself, I wanna you guys, I'm gonna ask you guys, and then you guys can answer it via Instagram, text, call me or when I see you in the gym, and then I'll share your answer on one of the episodes. But the random question here is what do you guys do when you're feeling down? What do you do? Do you call a friend? And I'm not talking about uh, um, who wants to be a millionaire where you call a friend. But I'm talking about what do you do? I don't know. Everyone does something different. I'm curious. Maybe what you do will help somebody. So let me know what you do. Um, I shared with you with what I do. I usually do some sort of workout or some sort of something that's focused on me. And that helps me feel better, better about myself. Um, takeaways from this episode. Um, everything is temporary. Remember, enjoy it. Don't let your highs get too high, your lows get too low. Um, remember, everyone, there's always someone that has it worse. And like in the book that I read, there was something in this book that I read that said, everything is in your head. So do with that as you please. Everything is in your head. So do with that as you please. And pay attention to that. Everything is in your head. So whatever you want to say, you look fat, you look good, you look what, you smell like shit, you're going you're gonna to do good. Whatever fucking story, whatever kind of fucking, whatever it is that you want to believe, it is in your head. So do with that as you please. And the back to the stitch story, go for it. Fuck it. Just go for it. Don't have no ego. Uh, think about what's going to be better for everybody, not what's better for you and your ego. And don't be afraid to lose. I mean, those are good takeaways from this. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Another thing that I need, I need some reviews, yo. Leave me some. Leave me a review. Leave me a something. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Uh, leave a five-star review. Smack it on there. Tell me what you think of the episode. 
Um, and I want to give more shout outs. One shout out that I want to give out this episode is my homeboy Ruben in Fontana, California. That is in Southern California. He follows me on Instagram, watches everything, uh, listens to the podcast, always shows my love. And he recently just bought a couple shirts through the website. So Ruben in Fontana, California, next time I am in Southern California, I'm going to come play poker with you. I'm dead serious. And the invitation is still open, August 22nd. If you want to come play poker with me, we're doing a poker tournament, $100 buy-in. Uh, it includes lunch. And includes your buy-in. Um, and we're playing poker at the gym. So if you do, hopefully you make it out here, Ruben. Um, and, yeah, that is pretty much it. I hope you guys have a great Tuesday. Kill it this week. And we, oh, no, we, I am out. Deuces. Deuces.